God bless everyone. Our theme today is the great 15. Few will remain faithful. Lourdes Pinto and myself, Father Jordi Rivero, will be reflecting on this topic. But first, let us consecrate everything to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mother Mary, we, we pray that you lead us always, that we completely abandon ourselves to you and with you go to Jesus. Amen. Amen. We'll begin this teaching today kind of from last week where we ended. And last week we were focused on how to battle, how to battle this in these great times we've entered. And we were focused on the words the Lord told us that we need to battle in and through the cross. And our focus was what it means to enter in the cross. And we explained that it is entering into the mass. And we were teaching about how we are called not just to attend mass, but to actually live the mass. And we went through each part of the mass and how through the simple path to union with God, we actually begin to live the mass. So today, our teaching will begin on living the Eucharistic part of the Mass, how we truly become one with Christ crucified as a sacrifice to the Father to aid in the redemption and salvation of the world. Amen. So the key for us to be able to face any trial, particularly we're talking about this pandemic going on now, but any trial is that we enter with Jesus into the sacrifice of the mass. And in order to do that, we need to understand what that entering means. So this is a, a huge topic. It has everything to do with our Catholic call to have a mission to live any times, but especially in this decisive times. So let us go to teachings that we uh, have we have in the past uh, on the Eucharist. Um, and particularly, let us look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In 1323, at the Last Supper, on the night he was betrayed, our Savior instituted the Eucharist, the Eucharistic sacrifice of his body and his blood. This he did in order to perpetuate the sacrifice of the cross. You got that? The Mass perpetuates the sacrifice of the cross. And then in 1324, the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. So this is a, a big question. Is it the source and summit of your life, my life? And in 1367, the sacrifice of Christ 
and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice. So it's not this happened 2,000 years ago, and we're just remembering and we're feeling the experience. No, it's one single sacrifice that we are entering so that as it plays out in our personal life, in the situation of our daily troubles, in the situation of a pandemic, we are able to live the sacrifice of the mass in that concrete circumstance. In message 49, in the book, The Simple Path to Union with God, our Lord said, the Eucharist is the power of God in the world. The love of God is the Eucharist and is transmitted through the Eucharist. I want us to focus tonight because we're going to be speaking a great deal about our shepherds in this reflection. We're going to be speaking about the church and our priest. And it's very important to to really, each of us to ponder how in this, especially times of great um, trials and tribulation we have entered, how are we living in the true faith of really believing that the Eucharist is the power of God in the world? So we go on to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Right. The Catechism in 1366, the Eucharist is thus a sacrifice because it represents, in other words, it makes present the sacrifice of the cross because it is its memorial and because it applies its fruits. Christ, our Lord and God, was once and for all to offer himself to God the Father by his death on the altar of the cross to accomplish their an everlasting redemption. Notice that the Eucharist is precisely entering, participating of that act. And in order to participate in an act, we have to engage our will, our surrender, so that when it applies to my daily experience, I live in that act of love, in that act of victory of Christ, defeating the threat of the devil that comes through that fear, through that threat, okay? So whatever our cross is, that is our altar of sacrifice. What is your cross? The challenge that you're going through right now. There is where our offering during the consecration of the mass becomes real. Our sacrifice is real flesh, real pain of our daily sufferings with Christ. So we don't go to mass thinking God is going to take away all the suffering. Everything's going to be okay. Um, It's like a prayer for Jesus is to take care of it. 
that way, but rather, Lord, give me your love, your desire to please the Father, so that when I engage in that cross, I don't back down. I live it fully as one with you. And I invite you to, to listen to the teachings in 2017. They're on our website on the Eucharist because we went into a lot of depth there. And we're just pulling here for at the beginning of this reflection, things from those teachings. The entire, the great majority of the simple path to union with God is to form us to live the sacrifice of the mass as one with Christ to truly become victims with the victim, Mm -hmm. to come to the altar of sacrifice in the mass without having lived my daily sacrifice in the altar of my home or work is a sterile sacrifice to the father. Listen carefully. The words of the mass through him, with him, and in him must be lived daily in the ordinary and tediousness of my life in the sacrament of the moment. It is only in this way that my sacrifice is truly pleasing to God Mm -hmm. and made perfect in Jesus's sacrifice of perfect love. We have been chosen, called, each of us, by God to enter the most hidden life of Christ. The hidden life is in the depth of the most sacred heart of Jesus. This hidden life of Christ is the continuation of his agony for souls. The deep suffering of the heart of God cannot be expressed with words, but only in groans. Just as the Lord taught us that we enter his wounds through our wounds, we can enter his groans through our own groans. The shattered and broken lives of those we live that most causes in our hearts a pain so deep that we too cannot express it in words, but only in groans. It is in these moments of our lives that God permits that the Holy Spirit comes to draw us into the groans of Christ. It is then that we can perceive the groans of love. And we are given the opportunity to participate in his groans for the transformation of humanity into love. This must become the work of every Christian, of every Catholic, but especially of every mother and missionary of the cross. This work of participating in God's suffering of love is the work that produces a hundredfold because it is the work of divine love. And here is the heart of how we battle 
in this times of tribulation mm -hmm. against the great beast, mm -hmm. Satan himself, to understand also how to enter and live the sacrifice of the mass, we have to remember what the Lord has taught us in the simple path of the importance of tears. It's in the section chapter 3A4. For example, number 36. Father, do you want to read number 36? Sure. If I find it. <laughs> page two. Oh, you're back in page, you're back in page two. All right. Got it. Number 36. Be with your God and Savior as I enter my agony again. The time has come when the Father will turn his gaze from the world. My mother and I will cry for you, that's for humanity, who will remain, who will remain faithful during the great and terrible persecution. Remain with me and collect my tears to present them to the Father. You know, Lourdes, when I, when I hear this and I see what is happening right now, this is like the testing time. Um, when the persecution gets greater, if we haven't now been able to have the, the courage, the, the strength of character to see through the lies, to three, see through the threats and the fear and stand fast, much less are we going to do it later. So the Lord will gradually strengthen us you know, it's like the pedagogy of God is step-by-step step strengthening us. So we have to be willing to say, I'm willing to go through the pain of misunderstanding, rejection, whatever, uh, seeking the truth. And, uh, yeah, and Father, I think it's important. And this was back in 2013 that our Lord said, I'm beginning my agony again. And this is taught in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The church is going to have to go through the passion again. Mm -hmm. And this is what I see that's happening right now in the church. In number 37, the Lord taught us, I desire for you to collect. I'm sorry, this was our blessed mother. Mm -hmm. I desire for you to collect in your pure hands my tears of blood mm -hmm. and to unite your tears with mine and raise them to the father as one with the blood of my son. This is why when we come to mass during the, our father, we cup our hands like this. It's an exterior sign of what is taking place interiorly in our lives. I bring daily when I go to mass, Father, my tears, my tears of sorrow, especially today, 
for the church, for my beloved shepherds, along with my family. And I bring those tears and I unite them to the purity of the tears of our mother, Mary. Mm -hmm. And I ask Mary to unite it to the precious blood of Christ as an offering to the Father. And then I say, my Abba, Father, pour these tears in the blood of your son upon the church, upon our bishops, upon the Pope, upon my family and beyond. Nobody sees this offering, Father, but it's a profound offering that God has taught us to live. Mm -hmm. All of those that are reading The Simple Path, it's a powerful force of love that is lived daily as one with the mass that God promises us is bringing an abundance of grace to the church. Okay. In number 38, mm -hmm. in the path, the Lord spoke this way. He says, my daughter, a hardened heart is not able to receive the grace of God. It is not able to see the glory of God revealed before him. I, God incarnate, was in their midst, yet they were blind. My heart was grieved to see the condition of their hearts. For I knew that not even my crucifixion would touch their hearts. My daughter, many are called, but it is few that respond. The act of Mary Magdalene and Peter, in which they come to me with tears of sorrow, is necessary to pierce the hardness of the human heart steeped in sin. My daughter, my heart continues to be grieved at seeing such hardness of hearts within my church. I desire that you awaken the hearts of my sons with tears and supplications as only a mother can. How beautiful, how, not only beautiful, but how profound this is. Um, I can envision the sorrow of the Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross to see the shepherds that were absent. What was she thinking? What was going on in her heart? Pure love for them. But at the same time, a profound sorrow and grief that they were dominated by fear and were not where they were called to be. And, and this is the only way that we can, a, we are able to really suffer for the deficiency that we can find in any member of the church, including our, our shepherds, is by this love of Mary that sees what is going on, but is full of, she's full of motherly love for them. And I, as a mother of the cross, my identity, father is in one with the mother 
of the cross, Mary most holy, the mother of sorrows. Mm -hmm. And I have to battle with her in the power of my feminine heart, especially with tears. And I want to address the letters from the bishops that are going out throughout the world. I just read recently one from Colombia, very similar to the letter from our bishop here locally in the United States and many others throughout the world. And here it is not a criticism of our shepherds, but it's a call to transformation. It's a call to holiness. The Lord specifically recently said to me, persevere my little one in leading the few who have responded. Be ready to suffer with me in this decisive battle for the salvation of countless souls. Stand firm against the great deception of Satan. Speak the truth as it is revealed to you with courage, a womanly courage, and be steadfast in your mission and identity as my spouse of my most precious blood. Therefore, I take this opportunity to address the church. My bishops are asking us, our bishops are asking us to take the vaccine as an act of love. Not only are they, some of them are asking us to be vaccinated, but they're asking us to also at times promote its safety. When I first heard this, I was angry. And I have spent hours, because I spent hours before the Blessed Sacrament daily. And I had to bring my anger, and I feel my anger is a just anger, like many in the church. But that anger had to be purified of all resentment, of all frustration, of all irritation, the way the Lord has taught us, Father. So that my anger could be moved by the Holy Spirit and moved by the love of Jesus crucified to speak these words to you today, my family and the world. The Lord has specifically told the men and women of love crucified, bring to light the darkness that Satan wants to keep hidden. There is a darkness that has entered the sanctuary, the inner sanctuary, the church, a darkness in the Vatican, a darkness in many of the hearts of our shepherds, a hardness of heart that is truth. In 2010, the Lord spoke this way to me. He placed in my heart that I will call his sons, his priests, to repentance as a mother, as one with Mary. The Lord has asked me to speak to priests the way I speak to my beloved father, Jordy, my beloved father, Ron, and all the priests throughout the years that I have spoken to, my spiritual sons that I love with all my heart. To speak the truth. How do I speak to my children? I am a mother and grandmother. I have eight children, 13 grandchildren. I have sons that have gone astray. 
And I don't murmur about them to other people. I don't kick them out of my heart. I speak the truth to them of the darkness in their hearts. And I love them. And most of the time, they don't listen to me. But as a mother, what do I do with Mary? I offer my mass every day. I enter as an intercessor in Jesus crucified to the Father through the power of my tears and suffering of heart for their conversion. Mm -hmm. And this is how I'm battling for my priest, for the shepherds. The Lord placed in my heart in 2010 that I will call them to repentance. The flock is all scattered, the Lord explained to me, and confused because of the lack of holy shepherds. Satan is the prince of the world, and they have not waged war against him, but have participated with him. I suffer to see that so many of our bishops have become agents of Satan in the name of doing something loving. The Lord went on to explain to me, there is no difference between his sons and all other men. Their eyes are not on the things of heaven, but attached to all the world, full of sensuality. They are not obedient to him, to God. Their hearts and intentions are not pure, the Lord explained to me. And that they, they desire the comforts of the world and do not seek poverty. The Lord said, tell them how much I love them and I'm seeking them out. I am ready to forgive them and transform them if they come to me and repent. The time is short. They will each have to stand before my father to be judged. And when they are shown all my sheep that have gone astray, they will not live. I am raising up my army of holy priests, says the Lord. Those that are not with me, I will spit them out. I have chosen you as my prophet because it is only a mother's heart that can call my sons to repentance. You must plead and supplicate to them as a mother to her son. And that is what I'm doing. That is how I'm living my life. With these tears that I, you're seeing, united to the blood and sacrifice for you, my shepherds, for the church. Thank you. Thank you, Lourdes, uh, for your tears. And thank you for the love that they represent the love in your heart for, for all of us who, who are shepherds, including the bishops, including the Pope, 
And um, when you say that um, we, the bishops too, can at a given point be agents of Satan, it just brought to mind Peter when he said to Jesus not to go to Jerusalem. Oh, no, he could not. They, I mean, Peter thought he was loving. I mean, I'm sure the bishops and the Pope and the priests that are telling people uh, about the vaccine, they're doing it with their best intention of their mind, like Peter. And what did Jesus say? You remember? Get behind me, Satan. You're thinking as men do and not as God does. So there is a distinction there. But now, did that nullify the authority of Peter? Not at all. Jesus continued to have Peter as the shepherd. He had to be purified. He had to go through the suffering of the cross, go through repentance. So we need to be very clear. We have a pope. We have bishops. We have priests. We have to love them, respect them, listen to them. But at the same time, understand when they speak to us in ways that are not magisterium are not even a matter of faith and morals. So I see a distinction in what they're saying. There's one truth that is a moral foundation. Do the common good. Have charity. Think of others. I think we have to totally agree with that. No Catholic can disagree with that principle. What we can disagree is about is getting vaccinated an act of love? Well, that totally depends on believing and trusting in the agenda that the government and the medical uh, system is imposing on us. If these vaccines are not safe and effective, as many doctors and scientists are telling us that they are not, then knowing that, if we in conscience have come to investigate and believe that they are not safe and effective, then to get vaccinated would not be an act of love. In that case, it would be an act of stupidity and an act of cowardice, just yielding to the pressure. So yes, we believe in the act of love, thinking about the common good, but it's up to every individual in good conscience to do their own decision so nobody can tell anybody else you have to be vaccinated or you do not have to be vaccinated Um, we're not saying don't get vaccinated what we're saying is look what is going on do the research see both sides of the story but i don't want to get off the track the point here is are we whatever it is are we willing to suffer with the Lord, because if we're not willing to carry the cross, if we're not centering the Eucharist, we're just not going to have the discernment that we need to know which path to, to take. And then after we decide, we have to totally respect others, because what we're seeing is people segregating each other, accusing each other, attacking each other uh, because of their position on a vaccine not respecting their conscience. And that is something very serious. In the Catholic Church, we have to respect the conscience of every individual. 
And from the beginning, Father, it's so beautiful to, to, to read scripture and to, and to know church history because God has been complaining. God has been upset. God has brought forth his justice to the people that have forgotten him, to the hardness of heart. For mm -hmm. example, in Jeremiah chapter 9, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised, but yet uncircumcised. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel is uncircumcised in heart. The teachings of love crucified, our retreat two years ago, the circumcision of the heart, how difficult it is to have our hearts circumcised. The purification of our hearts is so difficult, but so important for purity. And many times our shepherds are lacking that circumcision of heart. It happened during Jesus's times too, with the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees. What would our Lord say? Matthew 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and of all kinds of filth. It is a time of repentance, first and foremost by our shepherds, to see the filth that we all have to see that exists in all of our hearts. What is wrong with the message we're getting, our father from, from our, our shepherds, many of them, not all, but many. Let me give you an example. I was in prayer a few days ago and Father Ron, Father Ron, for those who you not know is an 86 year old priest that lives with my family. And he comes to me and he's distraught. Why? His best friend from many, many years ago who left communist Poland just had surgery of cancer. He had a cancerous tumor that was removed. And he just had his first treatment, chemo treatment. And then he was called by the clinic. This is in New York. And they told him, you cannot continue your medical treatment unless you get vaccinated. What is that? Is that a government? Is that rules that are really caring about us? I am a mother. The basic, when I would take my children to get vaccinated, if any of them had a cold or had a fever, the doctors would not give them the vaccination because their immune system was down. But we have government institutions saying, you can't get medical treatment if you're not vaccinated. That's an agenda, that is evil. Absolutely. You know, Lourdes, one of the ways that we know the signs of the times, we have to be Eucharistic, we have to embrace the cross, and we have to see the whole panorama. So what have we been seeing in our society? 
how everything that is completely evil, like even uh, surgery for children to change their sex is approved by the medical profession. And we're going to trust these people to tell us that the vaccine is safe. Let me give you another specific example, because what you said about Tadaran's friend is not an isolated event. There's a lady whose husband got COVID and was taken to the hospital, and only there he got worse. We put him in a ventilator. And then the, the, uh, the hospital tells her, uh, we have exhausted all possibilities. There's nothing we can do for your husband. At that point, she contacted a doctor who, who said to, to her, he should get ivermectin. What is it called? Ivermectin? Ivermectin. Yeah. And uh, he gave a prescription, a doctor's prescription. And the hospital who said that there's nothing else they could do would not accept the doctor's prescription. She's, she had to sue the hospital. And she says, I release you from all responsibility, and I want my husband to be treated as my doctor says. It took a legal um, suit to be able for this wife to have an intervention for her husband. And this is happening all over the place. They are, they are intentionally blocking remedies that have been known to be very effective and this is to me uh mother is one of the is one of the red flags how could this be happening so this should give us a a more um discerning spirit about the whole agenda that is going on and what are the alternatives right so it's very hard for us to hear this message from our bishops when we're reading these things on a daily basis. For example, two days ago in Epoch News, they just said the former Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Scott Kodliab, who is also a Pfizer board member, noted that natural immunity gained from prior COVID-19 infection needs to be included in discussions about virus-related policies and mandates. Why? Because last week, researchers from Maccabee Healthcare and Tel Aviv University said that individuals who had recovered from COVID-19 had superior protection against the Delta variant of the COVID-19 compared to those who received the Pfizer mRNA vaccine, the most commonly used shot in Israel. This is medical data that just came out, that's reported. You're not so gonna how hear can You're my not gonna bishop, hear. <laughs> right. But here, here again is what we see. As we look at what's going on in the world, France, Germany, Canada, all thousands of people, Father, in the streets protesting the mandated vaccine. In Canada, they were saying, this is a clear violation of our human rights. And once we lose it, we will never be able to get it back. That's true. Mm -hmm. 
we are seeing that there is an agenda moving the vaccine and the agenda is to control us, to take away our freedom. And this is what the bishops, without realizing it, are participating in. And didn't Cardinal Ratzinger, before he was Pope Father, mm -hmm. give us a warning about the church becoming small? Do you want to read that, Father, on the, page four? Yes, you know, Cardinal... Ratzinger and then Pope Benedict XVI have so many prophetic messages. There's one that is in, in our path in page 414, which is amazing. He said, we see how evil wishes to dominate the world and that it is necessary to enter into battle with evil. We see how it does so in so many ways, bloody with the different forms of violence now listen to this but it also does so masked with goodness and precisely this way destroys the moral foundations of society many things that look good oh yes the common good of course yeah we want the common good but is it a, a mask like Benio 16 is warning us, do this and you'll be safe. Uh, they used to tell us, if you take the vaccine, uh, then you are protected from the virus. Now it is universally recognized that people who get the vaccine still get the virus and continue to be spreaders. So what is the rationale to saying you have to get vaccinated to protect others if it is known that you are a spreader, you're contaminating people just the, the same, or perhaps some scientists are saying even more because you have a greater viral load in you now. So this is not resolved. There are many serious renowned scientists, PhDs who are saying, this is extremely dangerous. So how can you say to people, go ahead, get vaccinated. It's very irresponsible. What we have to say in the church is do the homework I can say, I, I advise you to do this. I advise you to do that. That's my personal opinion. Do what you think is more loving. But you cannot tell people in, as, a, as a shepherd what they're supposed to do about a scientific uh, decision that affects their bodies and their lives. Okay. So also, Rasinger mm -hmm. said, many years before he became a pope, um, he had this prophetic, prophetic word. He says, um, the process will be long and wearisome, as was the road from the false progressivism in the eve of the French Revolution, when a bishop might be thought smart if he made fun of dogmas and even insinuated that the existence of God, existence of God was by no means certain. But when the trial of this sifting is past, a great power will flow from, from a more spiritualized and simplified church. Recently, in July, the Lord spoke to my heart about this sifting. He said, my little one, 
be attentive to the God who loves you and is guiding you through this tempest. My little one, encourage my little mustard seed to enter greater silence and stillness of heart with Mary so that I can guide all my souls. Many will be lost because they fail to trust in me and turned their gaze to the deception of Satan that speaks through the mighty of this world. The time of the great sifting has begun. Do not be afraid for I am with you, guiding you, but all will suffer greatly. Few will remain faithful in the time of the great sifting, but with my few, I will establish my kingdom on earth. This is what's wrong with our shepherds. They have listened to Satan and have entered the deception of Satan, listening to the mighty ones of this world, where you have qualified doctors. Their resumes are astounding, like Dr. Zelenko. He was the one that treated President Trump when he got COVID-19. He also treated Rudy Giuliani when he was uh, the former uh, mayor of New York City. Imagine how qualified this doctor has to be to be picked by the president of the United States to treat him. And this doctor has been censored from most of our medias because he's speaking against the vaccine and revealing to the world this agenda that's behind the vaccine. What is this? Any what scientist, yeah, any scientist, any doctor, no matter how many PhDs and how qualified, how many years of experience, expert virologists are being canceled, are being deplatformed, thrown out from their jobs if they speak contrary to the tyranny that we are living in right now. This is an actual exactly. fact. So that should so, tell you something. Yes, and it shows us that more than ever, we need to live our lives the way the Lord has taught us, especially in this community, as his victim souls for the church. We are not called to leave the church, either to the right or to the left. We are called to remain in her, united to the Pope, giving our lives as martyrs with Christ for the church. And what's most disturbing to me is not what the bishops have been saying in all these letters, Father, but what's most disturbing is what they have not been saying. Mm -hmm. And let me explain this by going and reading to you again, Moses in the book of Numbers. Mm -hmm. The people... It says, the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent, listen carefully, everybody. The Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. Mm-hmm. The people came to Moses and said, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. 
They repent. They repent. And they ask Moses, pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, an intercessor. And the Lord said to Moses, make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bidden shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Wow. The scene of Moses mm -hmm. prefigures Jesus being lifted on the wood of the cross. Priest and each of us need to gaze at the crucified to be protected. Yet many of our shepherds have raised the vaccine on the stick, on the wood, and are proclaiming the vaccine as our savior. Many of our bishops were the first to close our churches and keep us away from the Eucharist when it's supposed to be the source and summit of our life. The opposite father of what you taught us about St. Charles Borromeo, mm -hmm. during the plague, open the churches, more masses so that they could be, have a distance. Eucharistic processions come to the Eucharist. What's very disturbing to me and why I'm more than ever a victim soul for the church is that I don't see and hear our bishops writing about gazing at Jesus crucified. Our priest as one with Moses, one with the intercessor Jesus, raising up the crucified, raising up the Eucharist, calling us to repentance by they themselves repenting at the foot of the cross. Yes, the Lord has given us the cross. It's not, it doesn't mean that God wants COVID, but has allowed it, right? And it's a cross. And the way that we embrace it and live it, it's going to determine uh, which path are we taking, God's path or the world's path. It's a time of repentance. It's a time of conversion. It's a time of new life. It's a time to go back to the word, to the Eucharist. Not just think that a quick solution is going to resolve everything, especially now that mounting evidence is showing the contrary. But even if it was a perfect injection, which it is not, the center for us must always be turning to the Lord, more prayer. That's the way that we overcome the fear of the cross and live it as one with Jesus. Pope Benedict also said, it's in our simple path on page 414. The Lord is also crying out to our ears the words that in the book of Revelation, he addresses to the church of Ephesus. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Light can also be taken away from us. And we do well to let this warning ring out with its full seriousness in our hearts, end of quote. How important it is to listen to these shepherds that have been guiding the church. 
the importance of the church to repent. In 2011, after reading the book of Jeremiah, chapter six, the Lord said to me, the time is near, yet the world sleeps. My chosen sons called to shepherd my people to safety slumber in the sin of their sloth and arrogance. My daughter, the path to new life is very narrow. It is the wood of my cross. I desire for you and father to warn my people, especially my sons of the destruction that is at hand and call them to awaken through repentance of their many sins. Call them to be my victims of love. Call them to be to, to martyrdom for love of me. Call them to holiness. My daughter, again, he tells me, few will listen, but you are called to be my voice in this wilderness. Wow. The Lord keeps talking. This is 10 years ago. He was forming us in this way, Father. 11 years ago. <laughs> Amazing. He also said in 2010, tell my priest they have turned their backs from me. I want their faces to be turned to my love crucified. The same thing God was telling the Jewish people in the time of Jeremiah. Turn your faces to God. History again repeats itself, Father. We again turn to the things of the world, the voices of the world, and we turn away from God. And God is using this time, even of disease, like he's used throughout the century, to bring us to our knees, back to the wood of the cross, to gaze at Jesus, to enter and live the sacrifice of the mass, to repent. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to end by letting you know that in Jeremiah chapters 8, 9, and 23, God speaks about poison. In chapter 8, he says, for our Lord, our God has doomed us to perish and has given us poisoned water to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. Father, would you like to, to read beginning verse 12? Yes. Who is wise enough to understand this? To whom has the mouth of the Lord spoken so that they may declare it? Why is the land ruined and laid waste like a wilderness so that no one passes through it? And the Lord says, because they have forsaken my law, thy eyes set before them, I have, and have not obeyed my voice or walked in accordance with it, but have stubbornly followed their own ways and have gone. Their own hearts. I'm sorry. They have stubbornly followed their own hearts. Hearts. Which, is, which is the depth of our ways is the depth of it is our hearts what is in our hearts and have gone after the Baals which are the false gods Baals represent 
false solutions that are embraced without discernment and therefore they become gods. They have gone after the Baals as their ancestors, ancestors taught them. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I am feeding this people with wormwood and giving them poisonous water to drink. Wow. The problem again, how we have not learned from history. History, especially salvation history, reveals our misery, our tendency in, as humans because of our fallen nature to constantly turn back our backs from God, to make ourselves gods. But it has also shown us the faithfulness of God, the mercy of God, how he continues century after century. And therefore, God is fully present in this pandemic. Absolutely. God is fully present. And as we suffer, I pray that many will come to their knees to gaze at him and repent. Yeah, and I'd it, like to end, Father, with a reminding others in our community that God gave us a prophecy for Colombia that I really feel is for the whole world in 2014 mm -hmm. when we were in Bogota. And the Lord said, it's very similar to Jeremiah. So you see how history continues to repeat itself. The Lord said, my people have forsaken me with the idols of adultery, the occult, lust, and impurities of all kinds, including in the sanctuary of God, the church. He goes on to say, God in his infinite mercy is granting the people of Colombia a certain amount of time to repent. They need to turn their eyes toward my love crucified. The Holy Spirit, through the power of my love crucified, will grant them the gift of self-knowledge to see with new eyes the darkness within them. Then as they repent, I will come and raise them out of the pit of hell. It is the grace of my victim souls that God will use to bring many to this repentance of heart, mind, and soul. Love Crucified is now to enter Colombia with the force of the Holy Spirit to help raise up my victims of love for the great battle. My community and those listening, this talk is not to bring us to discouragement. It's not to bring us to criticize our shepherds and the church. It's to bring us to live who we are victim souls to live more perfectly in the desire of Jesus Christ on earth, which was solely the cross, to suffer with him, to give ourselves as martyrs, to raise up a holy transformed church. Amen. Amen. May the Lord give us the grace to receive this opportunity because every 
cross is an opportunity as well to allow him to do the work that must be done in you, me, in everyone, because the Lord wants to raise up victim souls of love, new saints for these times. And the victory is his. Amen. May the Lord bless everyone. God bless you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.